If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we're going to assume that you didn't watch the first presidential debate. We think it's also safe to say that you didn't listen to the commentary, the he said, he said, or analysis afterward. In short, all of the hot takes agree that it was a hot mess. There were some shocking moments, although they weren't surprising, for as Glenn and Doyle observed, we are mugs filled to the brim and we keep getting bumped. If we are filled with coffee, coffee will spill out. If we are filled with tea, tea will spill out. Getting bumped is inevitable. If we want to change what spills out of us, we have to work to change what's inside of us. Or as Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it is that we either denounce white supremacy or we don't. So it is that we either shame people for addiction or we don't. So it is that we either ridicule disabilities or we don't. So it is that we either deny rights, health care, and compassion to others or we don't. We could go on, but you really don't need the lesson. We do, because our children are listening. Our undocumented neighbors are listening. Our gay middle schooler is listening. The single mom is listening. The uncle not yet in recovery is listening. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What will they hear? out of the overflow of our hearts, Holy One. Perhaps you are wondering that too. Let us not make anyone wait for kindness, wait for mercy, wait for love too long. Amen. The annual meeting of the Kansas-Oklahoma Conference of the United Church of Christ was held online over the course of this last week. And this morning, along with most other congregations in the Kansas-Oklahoma Conference, we welcome guest preacher and my fellow UCC Next Generation Leadership Initiative colleague, Reverend Julian Deschanzier. As a national speaker, advocate, and MC, Reverend Deschanzier has appeared on ABC, Fox, NPR, and Dr. Maya Angelou's Oprah and Friends radio program. 
He is also an Emmy award-winning musician, featured in the video Strange Fruit, a commemoration of the Billie Holiday song and a meditation on racial violence. The Chicago native and graduate of Morehouse College and the University of Chicago Divinity School is a 2020 Leadership Greater Chicago Fellow and was also recognized by Crane's Chicago Business as one of 40 under 40 leaders in Chicago. You can follow him on all social media at Pure K West. Good morning, folks, and happy Sunday. I am so grateful to be with you this morning offering the sermon for this service. I'm grateful to Edith Guffey. I am grateful to uh, to Pastor Phil helping me with the tech around all of this. And I greet you from Chicago. What's going on? Yes, it is cold here. And this is what the rest of my shirt says because people often won't see a piece of it like what else is going on that's that's me on zooms and stuff i want to know what's going on this morning we are going to read a scripture 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 uh from psalms and it is the 78th psalm which has been uh, a scripture that you all have been using as the theme for your entire conference there and so i just want to read a piece of it and then offer uh, some insight and reflections on it from my part of the world, and then we're going to keep this thing moving. Psalm 78, starting at verse 1, a masculine of Asaph. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. The word of God for the people of God. To keep telling the sayings of old when the youth come up and ask where we should go and when we once have the truth and we live below it, when we get happy because he caught COVID, when we wish death thinking that'll fix something, when we'd rather have revenge than build something. When we die and they ask what we live for. We took all we could grab and we gave nothing. I wrote a song to remind them where we came from. I wrote a psalm to remind them who made them. I wrote a poem about Tulsa, about Egypt. A masculine to remind them who saved them. A lot of stories that we hide from our children. And then wonder why history replays itself. A lot of hell that we visit upon our children. How we gonna raise them? How we gonna praise, man? How we gonna... Asaph was a producer. It says so in 1 Chronicles 6, right there. David hires the first temple musicians, the worship leaders, the song bearers, and, and Haman is first. It says on his right side was Asaph, the Quincy Jones to Haman's Saravon. And songs back then were the same as songs are today. You had a bunch of meaningless fluff out there, pop, what have you, that made you want to dance and took your mind off reality and songs that got stuck in your head. I'm talking to you, Migos. Thank you very much. And then you had songs that were not only meaningful and important, but like they carried information in them about 
who those people were, stories about their ancestors uh, that were to be passed down from generation to generation so that it was never forgotten what happened in that moment. Stories that were actual histories. In black America, these are called spirituals, songs with information in them. In Latinx, these are called corritos. Uh, there's folk music. Rebecca Anderson has already shown you the power of storytelling. Now take that, put it to music, and in ancient Israel, those were called psalms. The masculine being a production of the psalmist, a type of psalm. We will not hide this from our children. This wisdom, this kind of faithfulness, in, in, in this way of being in the world. The rest of the psalm describes how faithful God is to them. Time and time again, God shows up, God is faithful, good things happen, but time and time again, their ancestors did not do what God asked or required of them. Armed with the bow, it says in verse 9, they turned on the day of battle, being equipped, yet they did not. And I wonder, with at least two generations in this room right now, at least two, how good a job we are doing at communicating who we are, mistakes that we've made, lessons we've learned, and how we should be moving forward, what being faithful looks like, not communicated to to millennials and Gen Z or even to our own children. Because in moments like this of deep turmoil and frustration and confusion, moments where we've had the veil lifted for the first time of having our hearts broken and in some case having our bodies broken, sometimes the most important reminder, what goes at the top of the to-do list of life and will guide every other bullet point is a reminder of who we are. And the, 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 the 2020 masculine will tell stories of brutality laid bare and having our rhythms destroyed and having to go from being together to being like this. The, the 2020 masculine will tell that. It will tell how poorly we have undervalued teachers too, won't it? And, and how you don't play with coronavirus because coronavirus will, will get anybody. Anybody can catch it, even though, as we add this to the song now as well, anybody can catch it, but not everybody will die from it. Some people will be rich enough to catch it and keep it moving. Some people will be powerful enough. Some people will be president. Uh, okay. All right. The, the masculine of this year will tell us about Kobe Bryant and mail-in ballots. It'll tell us about Harry and Meghan leaving England. Remember that happened? That feels like 10 years ago. That was this year. It'll tell us about the circle and Cobra Kai. And as we move into this fourth quarter, more is unfolding, like there's more to go here. And the question will be, where will you fit in this epic poem of life and death and struggle and loss, in this epic poem of America in 2020? Where will you fit? Where will your community fit? 
Where will you fit in the story when they ask about white supremacy, when they ask about capitalist urges within prisons and churches and schools, and when they talk about Tulsa and a child asks, well, what happened next? What did they do a hundred years later? It's not the ending that I'm so concerned with, church, that we ended racism once and for all within these last three months. No, but what will the verse say about us that we had our bows and did nothing? I'm not advocating for violence here. I, don't, I need to pause. I think it's important for me to pause and say that here. But what happens when good people are equipped to address, equipped to confront, and instead choose not to? Or choose to confront each other internally. You know how this happens, right? Confront each other internally and, and with robust conversations and dialogues and conferences. All of this is needed. All necessary in forming community must be done well. I'm sure it's been being done well across this past week. But sometimes us church folk think this is the work. Like getting to here took so much work that this is the work. That if we've read the book, you know know, a, a Robin D'Angelo something, an Ibram Kendi something, and we've had the conversation, and somebody who disagrees feels safe in that conversation, and then we have the board meeting, and, and the congregational meeting where we write the statement and against this thing, and then we go back to the board to hone it, and then the board forms an ad hoc committee that, which wants to call itself a task force or a team, depending on who's on it, and then they edit and hone the statement to bring it back for the vote and then uh, we've now had a statement where we include all and exclude none and having done the affirmation all of this culminates in a banner or a t-shirt of some sort some status message and it's so much work it's so much work that it often feels like the work and I'm pressing this because it's conferences where the lay leaders and the clergy and the workers, the administrators all come. And so you know, everybody watching this knows this is hard work. The stability and infrastructure of institutions is hard work. But it is not the work. We do all of this. So that at some point we will turn the collective uh, uh, physical and spiritual force of the church back into the world. We don't do this so that we can understand the problem better or to frame it just so, uh, so that we can righteously inform others and chart for others the course of racism. We learn, we discourse, we debate, we vote, we inform others, we conference so that one day we will disembark upon this maiden voyage that we began 400 years ago. We do it to tear down. We do it to raise hell. Now, there are, there are some people who raise hell, R-A-I-S-E, and disturb our peace with policies about the border, policies about sexuality, policies about uh, poverty and about a, a woman's right to choose for herself, policies about a black person's right to life and fairness to sleep in her own house and not be shot. And if she is shot, a right to justice, dead or alive. There are people who disturb these pieces with a piece of their own, a piece
peace that only suits them. And there are people who know that the only way to restore our peace, the peace of God that we pass during church, that the only way to truly pass this peace is to raise, not R-A-I-S-E, but R-A-Z-E, to tear down, to be Hellraisers, the same thing you call them little kids who can't shut up, who can't be quiet, who can't be still, who always turning over something. Hellraisers, you must remember that when the disciples asked Jesus who is first in the kingdom, Jesus placed a child among them, a little hellraiser, and said, unless you become like this one, the earliest churches met in the homes of folks like Priscilla and Acts. The peace was Pax Romana, and they met to disturb it, to worship and to disturb, to form a beloved community of hellraisers, faithful hellraisers. But something happened in our church in America, something that allowed colonialism, something that allowed patriarchy and oppression and racism, slavery, trail of tears, Japanese internment, border, you know, not only allowed it, but gave divine permission, offered scriptures in its support. We became onlookers, the same as in when in 1964, when uh, Kitty Genovese was stabbed in the streets of New York and 38 people who were supposed to be her neighbors watched. In 2009, here in Chicago, Darion Albert was beaten to death with a two-by-four. Not only did nobody help, somebody, somebody filmed it on their cell phone. They were that close. 2010, British woman Simone Back uh, put as her Facebook status, took pills, be dead soon, bye-bye everyone. Most people said nothing. A few of her friends even got into an argument with themselves. And 12 hours later, she was dead. She had a thousand friends and no friends. We have thousands of churches but how many churches are willing to live and, if need be, close doing the gospel of Jesus Christ, who said himself, Matthew 10, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, to set family against each other. Go read that scripture. A sword to this peace that suits some, but is hell for others. Jesus came to raise hell. We keep worrying about the stability of churches. Yep, I know it came up. And even wonder about the stability of religion in these times. We've spent millions of dollars asking what people think. Millions that could have been spent doing the actual work that we know we're called to do, to end poverty, to feed and clothe the naked, to give water to those who thirst, to protect the stranger, the widow, and the orphan. People, people will come back to you. People will come back to us when they see what we are doing about the hell around us, the hell that they are personally affected by, and through our silence, see our complicity in the violence against them. It is not enough to be one of the good ones. As my Morehouse brother, Dr. King, said, uh, he put it right, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing.
to be armed with the bow and the of the bow of love and the belt of truth to be equipped with the breastplate of righteousness the shield of faith the helmet of salvation all of that Ephesians 6 talk right to have all this as we do and to be on the battlefield as others are falling around us while lives are being lost do not put your arrows down because the psalm is being written right now and the poem will describe people with different gifts rappers and musicians and pastors and administrators and 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 dancers and sculptors you 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 and you who all had to work together to raise hell who had to partner with others who were in the community already doing the work and had to be led by them but those folks needed your support or they needed your language or they needed your courage even to begin to set out and do the work maybe they just needed a space to meet but in offering it we were hell raisers go with them go and be led by them there are folks here who who had difficult family conversations Conversations because I know that this is tearing up some families right now. All this political stuff and people on different ends, especially white folks. I know that this is happening, right? And, and, and are having to talk to cousins and brothers, sisters, maybe parents about how what they believe, that what they believe is violent. And how can we believe in God and support this violence against God's beloved? We have to have the difficult conversation. Where will you be in this epic poem, in that verse of the great song? Know, know that they will tell both sides. They will tell the side of those that were armed with the bow and did nothing, the Ephraimites. And they will tell of those that saw the hell, that were not only broken by the hell, but decided to be picked up again, but decided to be filled with love instead of cynicism, action instead of instead of fear, they, that they had the privilege to be distant. They didn't have to engage. They didn't have to care about Brianna and George and Ahmad. And they don't have to. They don't have to. But they saw that hell and they decided to go into the fire. That they went because they wanted to be the body of Christ. They wanted to be the good news, the comforters, the hell raisers, the church. I thank God for you, and I rejoice at the song that is being written about you right now, about a people who are in the middle of the country but chose not to be flown over, but chose to be seen and heard as the beloved community of a living and still speaking God. Go and be the church. Go and raise hell. Go and build up what God needs to see in this world. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Laurie Walkie, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m., with adult education classes at 10 a.m. 
Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.